Join us and Neighborhood Cats for all you need to know about Trap New to Return, TNR, and Colony Management. You'll learn the basics and walk away with the tools you need to be successful in helping outdoor cats. Workshops are typically held the first Saturday of the month. Registrants will have the opportunity to earn a certificate. For more information and to register today, go to communitycatspodcast.com. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we're speaking with Marissa Hernandez. As soon as she could walk, Marissa was walking the dog food aisle of the grocery store, kissing the bags of dog food with pictures of puppies on them. Ever since then, Marissa has been advocating for animals in whatever aspect she could. Marissa Hernandez has spent the majority of her professional life caring for others. Early on, she had random jobs like a Starbucks barista or retail sales associate or even baking bread at a local bakery. Marissa worked as an educator helping special needs students with developmental disorders. After moving away from Minnesota to leave a troubled relationship, she and her three children moved back to Utah where she has a loving family and friends. Several years ago when a friend passed away unexpectedly, Marissa stepped in immediately to keep his small business open for his loyal clients. In 2016, Dogs Are Us became Dogs All Day to carry on her friend's legacy and continue to serve the needs of his customers and their animals, providing daycare, grooming, boarding, and love. This opportunity has enabled Marissa to foster out many animals to their forever homes. Now Marissa is proud to be one of the founding members of the nonprofit organization, Rough Haven, offering animal care to those in need dealing with crisis situations that without help might cost them the relationship with their cherished beloved pets. Marissa, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, so I can hear the dogs in the background, which is totally fine because that's where you are. You're at you're <laughs> at the facility, so it's good. So you're you're right at right at work. But I'm going to ignore those dogs barking, and I'm going to ask you the question: How did you become passionate about cats? Well, as you can tell, I uh, started working with animals, and we started as dogs are us and we were only taking in dogs. Uh, Then we got into the nonprofit realm and we learned that not everybody has dogs. And uh, we had to learn really quick, uh, me and the co-founders had to learn really quick how to take care of cats. So we brought in some sort of cat experts to build us a great community cat room. And I instantly fell in love with them. I was allergic as a child and not allowed to have a cat. And now I have two. So (laughs) we can see how well that went. (laughs) Excellent. So tell me about Rough Haven. Tell me about how it got started. What was the desire? What was that initial spark, that first aha moment that said, I want to create this program? So kind of the area where I'm at is a transient area. There's lots of, it's by the freeway, lots of people coming through. And just because I was here, people would stop in and ask for help. 
And the original person I helped when I was not a nonprofit was a gal that was trying to get out of um, the escorting business and just needed to kind of go into hiding, but she didn't have her two, she had two dogs and she couldn't take them with her. And so we housed the dogs for her. We ended up getting them fixed. And I think it was three or four months later, she ended up taking the dogs back. And that's been about eight years. And she's just living her cute, happy little life. I follow her on Facebook. And um, I'm just like so proud of her. And all she needed was a short amount of time. And then the other co-founders had worked in an animal welfare organization um, that worked with uh, the unsheltered community. And they had stepped away from that organization and came to me and said, hey, animal welfare is going in a new sort of way. We're not just telling people that they're not good enough for these animals. And we need to really be helping people keep their pets and keep the shelters clear for those animals that need it. And I said, all right, I'm in. And I took my experience boarding animals and they took their experience working with the unsheltered community. And here we are today, two years later. So I'm going to share with you some of my personal experiences with regards to helping folks with their animals. In my case, it's always been cats. And I've, I've fostered many cats for folks who have said, you know, I just need a couple of months to get my act together. And, you know, can I have you foster them for a while, that kind of thing. And I would say in some cases that's worked and in other cases it has not worked. And I, I didn't necessarily feel like at that time, I really knew enough of what I was doing. I certainly knew how to foster cats. I knew how to love them and how to care for them, but I didn't know, was I supposed to coach the person? How am I supposed to understand like what's a viable, like what, where's the possible and where's the impossible or is there impossible when you're dealing with folks that are in this sort of transitionary period? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, initially, well, one of our co-founders is a social worker. So she really understands the sort of client social worker aspect. And we say that we do so much more social work than, well, not animal care, but it's, it's equal. And we have a really strict program and we do only take those that have a firm plan. So being unsheltered does not qualify you for the program, but if you're going to the hospital and you need us to take the cat, or if you live in your car and it's too hot during the summer, or if one of uh, one of our resource centers, we're fortunate where two of our resource centers do take animals, but one does not. And that's a family shelter. And so we will take their pets because they're working with a case manager. And, you know, so, so we check in with the case manager. And then the other thing is we have a weekly check-in. And they're required to check in. It makes them, uh, it, it disqualifies them from the program if they're not checking in every week. It keeps the bond between the human and the pet uh, very connected because they, they have to remember about the pet. It's so easy to just, you know, oh, when, when I go out of town, I send my dog to the dog sitter and it's great and I don't worry. Um, but these people are really checking in. They're so invested uh, in their animals. Originally, so we offer 90 days of sheltering. And as somebody that does boarding for a job, 
I thought a lot of people would take advantage and take that 90 days and, and then come pick up their animals. And our statistics are just not showing that. They're showing that these people are getting their animals back as soon as possible. And we're in the 30 to 40 day range with animals reuniting. That's very impressive. That's it's incredibly impressive, actually. We actually did a situation at, at the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society where we held on to uh, two cats for two years while someone was in the army was over in Iraq and held on to their cats while they were over there. So that that was actually a really good story. I mean, the cats were in foster care. They weren't like in a sheltered environment or, you know, in a boarding environment, but it was really a nice story. Somebody came back from that type of an environment and were able to reunite with their cats. So, you know, those kinds of things are really nice options, but there are challenges. I really like the fact that you've got someone on your board that's got social working skills, because I, I really think that's part of the missing piece of the puzzle that many organizations may have. I run into that. I still support you know, various families and I still feel like I'm at a loss because I might be able to help get resources for the pets, but the people need so many, you know, need some support and I'm just not skilled in that area. I don't, I don't have that networked connection and that kind of thing. So I think if any organization's thinking about creating this type of program, you know, should certainly model it after your program to have that social worker component in there. You know, you were lucky because it was part of the founders, but I, I would think it would be a key part of that for sure. Your organization's only a couple of years old, but yet you have quite a large group involved. How did you get such a big, you've got a big board, you've got organizational staff. I mean, how did you grow so fast in two years? Well, let me start by saying our executive director and me were both completely, absolutely insane. So that helped. We both have been in animal welfare for a long time, and we both knew what not to do. And so that really helped build this great team. And also our executive director has amazing ideas and just says, hey, let's ask uh, this media guy and see if and he's this, he's a, he's a former anchor, like, you know, famous Utah, famous anchorman. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's not going to say yes. And all of a sudden she just asks him and Randall says yes. And uh, then our veterinary uh, part, we've got, we've got two or three amazing veterinarians that really believe in what we're doing and work with us. Um, and I also said, well, you know, the burnout rate for veterinarians is so high. We just can't ask her to be on our board. And so just kind of stumbled into it, asked her, and she said yes, because she believes in us so much. And it's it's just the, people are understanding that this is different than just normal rescue, that it's really working with people and pets and just keeping that that bond together. Team Dubert is at it again, and now they have an amazing companion case management module that once again revolutionizes how you rescue animals. Dubert partnered with Dallas Pets Alive and the Spay Neuter Network to build a powerful solution that allows you to manage cases of any kind. Whether owner surrender calls or emails, community cat tracking and reporting, Dubert is the only system that integrates two-way text messaging, automatic follow-ups, and even a rehoming solution that every organization can use. 
No more trying to manage 10 different technologies when everything is all in one place and tightly integrated. From fostering to transport, fundraising to e-commerce, supply and demand to case management, Dubert has everything you need to streamline your operations so you can focus on saving more animals. Check out the new companion case management module at www.dubert.com ccm and get signed up today. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. When we uh, were talking before we hit the recording button, you were talking a little bit about sort of the mindset that we may have in society about how, you know, people who may be having a housing situation or challenges going on in their life that we as a society may generally feel like they don't deserve to have a pet, companionship of a pet, um, you know, a cat, that kind of thing. And, you know, what can we do to kind of, to change that? Well, I think COVID really helped this year or the last several years, two years or so to kind of change people's thoughts on that. And I really think that that's what helped animal welfare progress to where we are today, where we're not judging people's livelihoods can be gone in a week, you know? And I think looking kind of back in the mirror and say, oh, I am fortunate that I got to work during COVID or I had a boss that would pay me or, you know, I didn't have this and I almost lost my house or, uh, you know, they sold my house underneath and now my rent's just unaffordable. I think that is just helping people understand, oh, well, if I was in that situation, what, what would happen to me? And then looking at those around us in that situation and not judging and looking how well loved those animals are. We always say that our unsheltered animals pretty much are the best taken care of because if I could, if my animal could spend 24 seven with me, they would be as happy as can be. And that's all they want. They don't care where I live. They just want to be with me. My cats, maybe not so much, but they want to be in the same room as me and, you know, torment me. Uh, but these, these animals are just amazing. These people have their cats harness trained. It's my favorite when you just see them on their shoulder and walking around with their harness out there. I mean, the animals are just living their best lives. So I, I just think look around and, and, and not judge. One of the questions people will ask me is, you know, how many of the cats actually do get to stay with their owners, their original owners, and how many end up, you know, having to eventually be surrendered? So our reunification rate is extremely high, which I am surprised by myself. I believe we're a 96 return to owner or rehoming. So we also consider rehoming successes because what we do is we give the power back to the owner to say, Hey, I've had a month to think about it. I'm not in a place where I can take care of this animal, but if you'll help me find an owner, all our, uh, all our former owners get to choose the new owners. They get to have a phone call with them. 
I just chatted with a lady that became an owner of a one of our sheltering pets, and she still talks to the mom. She sends her pictures, and the mom's still not in a place where she could have the animal, but is just so happy that this dog is is living its best life and, you know, what, what she could have provided. So what percentage of the animals that, that you have had have been dogs versus cats? Wow. You know what? I don't have those numbers. I would say we're fairly equal cats. We learned really early on uh, that people don't just have one cat though. (laughs) They have numerous cats. So that I feel has been the challenge with the cats is, you know, you have a dog comes in, it can go into a foster home. You have two cats that are bonded, finding a foster home for two bonded cats when they already have three cats in their house can be, you know, more challenging. Also at the boarding facility, we can hold more dogs than we can cats. So in the facility we can hold, we have 10 kennels. And so we can pair up on that. Uh, So I think the max, you know, in our community cat room that we'd want is nine to 12. And that's usually what we do. We have great foster homes and we do have some that will take two, three, you know, depending on that. But we are, we are fairly equal in, in that, which I found surprising as a dog person, it, it blew me away. I'm going to ask you some nonprofit type questions being a, a new nonprofit. When I looked at your website, I was quite impressed with all the logos that you have there of organizations that are supportive of the work that you're doing. And, you know, how do you fund these, this program? So at this time, we are all donation-based. We're all volunteers. Uh, We did get a large grant from PetSmart Charities, which has been amazing. Um, And we just keep making more and more connections. We really believe in collaboration. And that not just in animal welfare, but in human welfare. And that's what I love so much about this program is it tackles both of those areas Uh, One of my favorite places that we'll go to is the in-between and they are hospice for the unsheltered community and they are allowed to have their pets there. Um, I think at the moment there's a dog and a cat that both live there and we get to go up there, give supplies, do vaccinations. It's so fun. And I just can't believe how many people are so excited as we are about this program, same with our volunteers. Our volunteers are so dedicated. Uh, Like I said before, you know, my executive director and I, we know we're both crazy, but it seems that everybody else is starting to be just as crazy as us. So So you said you're, you're all volunteers so that the funds that are raised are for medical care and for boarding or or how are your funds? And I know you do vaccination clinics too, which is something we haven't touched upon. Yeah, so all of our uh, all of our money goes mostly. I think we're in the ninety percentile going back to animal care. It goes to boarding, goes to medical care, vaccinations. Uh, we do. We have a partner that does do some spay and neuter for free with us, but you know we do pay for some low cost uh, options and stuff like that. Excellent. Um, yeah, and I I will really strongly encourage folks to check out their website. Uh, the Rough Haven website is just beautiful. It's great. Um, and 
there's a nice video there too that you have, right? That talks about how you do things. And I just, I just think it's a great website. So I will encourage everybody. We'll make sure it's in the show notes and all that stuff. Thank you. Thank you. My, uh, it helps that my partner is also uh, owns an advertising agency. So oh, okay. <laughs> all right. that's where we get our good videos. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so now, so now your partner's going to have to be partners with all of these other nonprofits oh, yeah. so that they oh, can yeah. have the same <laughs> website, right? So there you go. So it's, it's all in the family. I, I, I'll digress for two seconds. And I was um, doing the online kitten conference several months ago. And I asked the group, you know, do you have access to veterinary care? And because there is a challenge with access to veterinary care, especially affordable veterinary care. And, um, but one of my responses was, you know, I'm either a veterinarian or a vet tech, so I can get, um, or I'm related to a, a veterinarian or a vet tech, I can get services whenever I want to. And out of the group, it was like 20% of the people, like they could get the vet care whenever they needed it because they had, you know, a family connection. And I was just like, oh, you know, this is not helping me in understanding the, the veterinarian and the technician sh- shortage that we have all across the country um, because they're <laughs> yeah, all in the exactly. room. And I'm like, okay, we're going to all like partner up with these folks so that then we have, you know, a straight line connection into veterinary care. As a new nonprofit, and especially one that's basically opened up and developed during COVID, what have been your greatest challenges? So we like to do our quarterly vaccination clinics. Our first one was just sort of a walk up without appointments or anything like that. And that was pre-COVID. And now, well, we wanted to keep doing them through COVID because there wasn't that veterinary care. It was so, you know, the Humane Society was closed down, all that. And so we decided to just do appointments with masks. Everybody was masked. Everybody was six feet apart. That was really amazing. But it was difficult, you know, to arrange originally. Another issue was getting our name out there in front of people. You know, we love doing uh, booths and events and it was, it was difficult sort of doing that. We're loving that we can go meet face to face now. And uh, we're looking forward to the best friends conference where we can go be face to face with everybody. Um, And, you know, having volunteers come in and work with us, we have dog walkers, we have cat, you know, people that do that. And we just couldn't have it originally. And so it was just me doing it, you know, and my staff. And uh, it, it was difficult. It was difficult. Right, right. Um, if folks are interested in finding out more about Rough Haven, where would they look for them? Yeah. So uh, if everybody wants to check us out at roughhaven.org, our Facebook page is very active. Our Instagram is active. Uh, I was just told that our Twitter is going to be active. And then we just started a TikTok. So that will be all at Rough Haven. Excellent. Excellent. Wow. Well, good luck with all that social media management. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do that. I don't, it doesn't (laughs) affect me. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I just want everybody, you know, to kind of internalize everything we've been saying and say, you know, I am crazy about my cats. What would happen in my life if I had to uh, had a crisis and uh, just kind of think about that and then just kind of pass on that compassion to everybody around you? Excellent. Excellent. Well, Marissa, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. 
Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Bye.